Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles, if you could, to James, 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 chapter one. (laughs) James one. As you notice, since January, I've been preaching on flourishing. And in the past six to seven weeks, I've been hinting a lot, overtly in the beginning, we did three uh, sermons on the tithe. I did one, Jay did two. And, uh, um, and then we continued to preach messages and, and ad- eventually adapted into a, uh, the parable of the sower and the seed. That came because of Tommy Zito coming and us being taught in evangelism, learning to sow seeds of the good news, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ, the power of God when you open your voice and you begin to speak to others. <clears throat> you know, this week I had a unique opportunity. <clears throat> I was meeting with um, uh, someone in, uh, uh, up in Strongsville at Starbucks. And we were leaving and I got out the door and I was getting ready to go back in. I had some trash there I was gonna take back in. And as I got in the doorway, I heard this screech on Pearl Road and <clears throat> I looked up to see, it was like a big screech. And then I looked up to see this huge bang and a man flew into the air and landed in the uh, middle median strip of uh, Pearl Road, traffic stopped both ways. He was on a motorcycle. And the motorcycle was like, it's just like every part that, every plastic part that bike had was spread in a, probably a 50 to 100 foot radius. That's how hard the hit was. And I stood there, first of all, stunned because I saw this guy he was about 100 feet away. I saw him get up and he was kind of dazed. He walked around and then collapsed on the ground. And I, uh, you know, I tell, I tell you this sometimes, I'm like a big Blue Blood fan. You know, I watch cop shows all the time, like FBI. Blue, I think I could be like an honorary FBI agent right now. <laughs> Probably not, but I think that at least. And uh, I, uh, so I know, I, I, get, the, I get the deal. Uh, if you're, you're trained, you run to the challenge. If you're untrained, you run away from it. That's just what happens. And, you know, I've watched uh, 13 years of Blue Bloods. And so I'm trained. And so I ran to the situation. I was one of the first five people on the spot there. And I looked around and I realized nobody else was going to do it. I mean, no, you don't want to touch him. He had a helmet on. He was, he was crying out. He was screaming, uh, uh, cursing, and just, he was very upset. And down the road about 20 feet was his handgun, was laying in the, in the uh, median strip, his uh, uh, parts. He, he fortunately had a really good helmet on, a full helmet. And uh, they, put his, they did pull his visor up and we were just standing around. No one knew what to do. So I just said, I mean, I thought, I'm thinking like, is this the moment to evangelize someone, you know, to talk about Jesus? And I thought, well, of course, but he's, he's screaming profanities constantly. I, I don't... And so I just said, I, he, I said, excuse me, sir. And he looked at me and I, I said, because no one wanted to touch him, you know, uh, because he was, he, was, he was broken up pretty bad. And I looked at him, I said, I'm a pastor and I want you to know I'm gonna be praying for you while I stand here. And he didn't say anything, but his eyes were communicating to me. So I just stepped back and did what you do when you don't know what to do in a situation like that. I just prayed in tongues. I just started worshiping God, praying in tongues, inviting his presence into that. And very quickly, the police showed up and, and the uh, emergency vehicles and they, they took him away, you know, and I walked away from there. And I, I, I wrestled all day long between 
because I don't know what his internal injuries are. I don't know. I don't even know if he survived or what, what happened. I'm sure he's probably all right. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty scary moment. But I thought, you know, it's what Jesus is fashioning us to do. Sometimes just to be present. Sometimes just to walk into a room and maybe, by the grace of God, change the temperature there. Sometimes to go into a place of great distress and just be a, a light of peace, a light of hope, a light of love, maybe even a light of joy if it's appropriate, you know. And to come in and just change the atmosphere. It's really what, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be done through us. I'm gonna be talking about this next week. I'm speaking a message that I, I thought I had never done before and then realized I did a year ago. But that's the joys of being 66. But I, uh, I thought, I need a moment of clarification. <clears throat> We've just had Tommy Zito in about a month ago. Everyone's still talking about his pop collar and everything. I thought about doing that this morning when I came and changed my mind. But anyway, you know, it's like the focus is on that. I'm thinking like, this guy came and kind of recalibrated us corporately. It puts something into our hearts that I don't know was fully there in, in a lot of people. Some people have been there that way all the time. A passion and a heart for others and to see them to come to know Jesus Christ and experience true life in this, this dreadful scenario that's going on throughout the world right now. A lot of fear, a lot of concerns. Something like eight million people have crossed our southern border that we do not know who they are or where they went. And they've been, and the U.S. government provided transportation for them to go anywhere in the country that they wanted. So they're spread out all over the country. And you can say, well, that's a good thing because we're a country of immigrants. I know, my wife's an immigrant. But we're also a country of laws. And so you look at it and you go, what has the enemy sown? I'm sure there's many righteous, great people in there. And I love immigrants. I love immigrants. I married one. So I love immigrants. My kids are immigrants. So I love immigrants. I mean, I, I love the fact that you can, we can be a nation. By the way, most nations are not like this. If you go to Japan or you go to Korea or somewhere like that, there's not multiple ethnic groups in these countries. You come here and it's just a, it's a bowl of chili, man. It's just every bean and every person, we're all here, we love one another, you know? And it's, an, it's really an experiment of sorts in civilization. And uh, I love it and I think it's a dynamic thing that makes us strong. But when you have eight million coming across, it creates problems. So these are looming challenges. And the Lord's been giving me some indications of things that are that are going to happen. And I, I'm, I'm concerned about it, you know. And then we brought uh, David Hogan in. He was a character, wasn't he? Did you get a chance to really hear him? I, he was, I wish I'd have brought him on a Sunday morning because then you could have all seen him, heard him, and you would have come on Sunday night. Sunday night was packed out. And he just, in my opinion, he blew the place up. He prayed for people, people were healed, all kinds of stuff happened. The stories he told, his preaching, he's raised 28 people from the dead where other people were there present. He showed pictures of people that were in wheelchairs, the videos, wheelchair. You remember the one lady, remember, was 85 years old with three different diseases, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and dementia, I believe, and uh, was totally healed. Got out of that wheelchair, had not been out of it, I think, for 10 years. You imagine how emaciated she would be. She got out of that, she began to walk, she was struggling, 
and they wanted to put her back in the wheelchair and David said, no, <laughs> don't put her back in the wheelchair. And so three days later, she was totally walking, totally back to what she was as an 85-year-old woman. You know? So we thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> so I look at that and I think, Lord, you planned all, actually the week before David came, I forgot that he was coming because we have monthly speakers that come in and just didn't register with me. And now I look back and I think, Holy Spirit, you brought these two guys in because you are doing something in our midst. So next week I'm gonna talk about, it. I'm gonna stop and have a clarification of who we are, what we're about, and where we're going. Because some of you might be on the wrong bus, I don't know. We just need to make sure, you know, if you're not going to, I was gonna say Pittsburgh, but we don't wanna go there. If you're not going where, if you're not going to Cleveland, I knew that would happen. We could go to Baltimore. No, we can't do that either. But do we like any other teams at all? I don't think so. Anyway, we're going to make sure you're on the right bus, you know, that, that you know where you're going, what's happening. And so next Sunday is very important. I'm going tomorrow to spend some time in Reading with Jay. We're excited about it. It's a leaders uh, gathering. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to spend time with Bill Johnson and Chris and it's going to be an amazing time. And so we're going to come back all fired up. So come here next Sunday and we'll do that together. James chapter one, James one, it says this, of his own will, this is speaking of Jesus, of his own will, he brought us forth. Literally, that phrase means bread. He bred us as in multiplication. He brought us all forth by the word of truth. Man, do we need the word of truth right now. I mean, I didn't think I'd ever say these things, but there is just, there's sociopathic, uh, spiritual influence over so many of our leaders across America right now. To the point now where they can lie, get caught in a lie and still not be ashamed of it and maybe even still defend it. So we're in a bad place right now. But I want to tell you, Jesus is not. And so it's good to hang close to him. So he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind or that we might exist as a kind of, this is uh, James speaking, a kind of first fruits. First fruits, that word is actually used in ref reference to tithe, that, that actually you are a tithe of God. God tithed you into the world. He seated you into the world. And he tells us that, you know, there's many metaphors and analogies used through scripture, but he tells us that, that uh, the, the word of God is like a seed that comes into our heart, which is soil. I've been speaking that the past two weeks about the sower and the seed. It talks about the soil. The soil is really the topic, the receptivity of the seed, Jesus being the sower, now we can reverse it and you can use it that you're the sower also. We sow seeds. It's what we've been sown into. We're followers of Christ, so we become seed sowers also. We sow outside. We tell people about Jesus, knowing it's falling on different kinds of soil. Some people will not receive it. <clears throat> Some people will receive it, but it'll be stolen. We know what it says. And so you understand that, but you still sow anyway. And God did the same thing. He sowed across the earth. You are, are a part of that sowing. Your heart has to be in a situation which it was for three or four people this morning, where the seed comes into the heart, but that's not necessarily a guarantee. The seed has to, or the heart, the soil has to receive that seed. And so from the beginning, Jesus' desire as we become first fruits, first fruits of creation, 
First fruits of his creatures, it says. In other words, he has created us, he has redeemed us, he has saved us so that we can go out and help others that are throughout the world. Like on social media. Everybody's arguing this, this uh, issue, issue one and issue two, you know. Issue one really brings this cryptic amendment, not just a proposal, not a resolution, an amendment that actually shapes the constitution of our state. That even though it doesn't specifically say certain things, it leaves the door wide open. It was crafted by people that were very smart and knows how the right judges, the right courts will deem it. And so if you do not have the spirit of truth living in you, you, you can get pulled in by things thinking that it means something else. And I, th I think it's an atrocity that they have commercials that show pastors voting yes on issue one because they know it's gonna, it's gonna extend the rights of abortion in this state and it's potentially going to limit parental rights even in transitional uh, surgeries and things like that. I mean, it's enough for an amendment, for an amendment, it's enough to concern Ohio people. And so we're, we're voting no. We're voting no. I wouldn't, now, I'm not gonna say something, uh, I'm not gonna say something that I don't think that God's saying in this, that you can't be a Christian and, and vote yes. I mean, some people are saying that, I, I just, because I know there's Christians that are just unaware and they don't understand. But if you read, I've read this thing many times, if you read ex the exact proposal of what they're doing and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, I think you might be convinced to agree that this is a no. And there's a whole lot of money on the other side. And so where we don't have as much money, we do have prayer. <laughs> And we can show up and you can vote. You've got to show up and vote. And it's coming up pretty soon, just in the next eight or nine days. So all of that is the word of truth. So you've been birthed in the word of truth, a kind of first fruits, especially in the culture we're in right now. Root to fruit, root to fruit. There's something that goes on in your heart that eventually produces fruit. Every seed that's sown is sown with the ultimate goal to produce fruit. What is the fruit in your life? This swirls around in my head all the time. I'm a fruit person. <clears throat> Man, I, was, I almost wrote a book three years ago about the Garden of Eden. I'd just been on this for a long time. The gardens are a real theme throughout the Bible. And the garden is, the, is really the, uh, it's, it's, the, oh, it's the, the greatest dream of a person. It's a, like a utopian dream. It's perfect. I mean, you're, you're, you're made out of the dirt of the garden, so you're one with the garden. It's flourishing, it's beautiful. You walk with God, he comes and walks with you every day. And then he says, I sense that you, you shouldn't be alone. <clears throat> he was probably whining or something, I don't know what he was doing, you know how guys are. But anyway, he was, he was struggling and you know, there's animals and everything, but hey, you can only do so much so. And, and, and so then the Lord says, he puts him to sleep, he pulls out a rib, he goes and fashions a woman, brings it to this guy. And for the first time in human history, poetry comes out of a man's mouth. Possibly the last time it came out, but bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I will call her a woman 
Of course, he included his name as a part of that woman. <laughs> and and then, then they're happy, you know, they're in this, they're in this utopian place. Everything's going, it's blissful, it's exciting, and everything else. And then he gets three, this is, I, f- I found about 10 mandates out of that whole thing, and I someday I'll preach on it over a series, but <clears throat> there's there's things that are about that garden experience. But the three big ones were be fruitful and multiply. It's the nature of God for expansion. I believe, I said this about a month ago, I believe that the garden was a drop on planet earth. I have no idea what the rest of earth looked like. There was chaos of sorts. There was, there was uh, <clears throat> a formless void, so to speak. And he planted a little garden, you know, because Satan fell from heaven. Some people think that heaven was, uh, the earth was uh, roaming with the, with the dark angels and Lucifer, and it was a dreadful place. But in the midst of all that, this, I love God how he does this. If you do a little drop, who knows, it might have been 100 acres, might have been 1,000 acres, a garden in the midst of all this bleakness. And I think that the vision of God was for the expansion of that garden into the whole earth. That is the kingdom of God. So now we are the Garden of Eden. It dwells within us. And in a corrupt, as, as Peter said, a perverse generation. In the midst of that, we are meant to be light. We are meant to be hope. We're meant to be leaven that leavens the whole lump. We're meant, in hopeless environments, a Christian shows up. Hopefully that Christian is just saying, oh my God, what are we gonna do? I mean, we want Christians to show up and go, I know what we need to do. What do we need to do? First of all, we need to wait in the presence of God. We need to worship the Lord, whatever it is. We need to pray. I'm telling you, in times of crisis, people will listen to anything you say to them. So say good things. Don't be shocked. When this motorcycle guy laying on the road said, does my right leg look all right? Man, my mind was racing. You don't have much time to respond because delay means no. Real quickly, I said, you're gonna be fine even though his leg was broken at the knee. You're gonna be fine. And I believe it because, man, we prayed for him. God's gonna touch him. What am I? I was the Garden of Eden in that moment. Not me. I'm a carrier of it. By the grace of God. It's not me showing up. It's what's in me showing up. And hopefully my, my soul and my body will respond to that and not do awkward, weird things. Like people do when I got diagnosed with cancer in 06. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that know somebody that had the same cancer and died. For some reason, that was meant to be an encouragement to me. You know, my cousin Bob, he had that. Oh, yeah. What happened? You know, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Well, what happened to Bob, your cousin? He did pass away and it was a grueling situation. You know, I mean, it's like. <laughs> and these are Christians. Imagine what the non-Christians would say. So what if we're the first fruits? Let's bear fruit. Let's be fruit. Let's be sweet to people. <laughs> let's, let's nourish people. Let's believe the best in people. Let's encourage people. It's a powerful thing. Jimmy Nelson, where are you, Jimmy? Right here. He sent me an email this week just off the cuff or I don't remember how he sent it actually, but I got it. (laughs) And I read it and it was so crafted, Jimmy. It was like the Holy Spirit wrote it. 
There's things I've been discouraged about over the past month. And it was crafted perfectly to address that, specifically about some things we've gone through in the church over the past month. And he, he acted as if he saw it in a spiritual way, which I believe he did. He saw something that nobody else has mentioned to me. Nobody else has mentioned to me, but he spoke it and it was the exact piece of fruit that I needed in that moment. And when I tasted that fruit, instant hope, instant restoration, instant faith. Why? Because one man who probably thought, well, I know Pastor C's busy and I don't want to, you know, send, now I'm going to get 30 of them this week, Jimmy, but <laughs> that's fine. Send them, I'm, going, I'm open, you know. Just one little bit. That's one person in obedience to the Lord is a first fruit of the very creation of God. It's what the Lord intends for us. Why? He wants our roots to go deep, for us to get nourished, for us to be blessed. Why? So that we can go up high. I love the stories about the redwood forest, you know, and their roots. They don't go real deep. You'd think they would, but they don't. They go sideways. But what's interesting is their families over there. When you go over, they talk about grandfather trees and father trees. I'm like, what? is this like a metaphor? You know, just the, but it's true. There's families of trees over there. What happens is their roots go out and they grab one another's roots and they hold because those winds coming off the North Pacific there sometimes can be very strong. Enough that it could, if there was only one tree, it would blow it over. <clears throat> But when it happens, the redwoods hold on to one another's roots. <laughs> and the wind comes, and they're like, woo! You've been through those redwoods? Have you driven through them? <laughs> you could drive through the tree. It's incredible, you know? And they, they hold on to one another. And periodically, lightning will strike one, it'll go to the ground, and then it will come out about 10, 12 feet out. The, the, the redwood tree, the one that's been burnt by the lightning, will grow other trees in a perfect circle around them. It's a family circle. They call it the grandfather tree. And this is its, its uh, sons and daughters. And these are the grandchildren that are, that are I mean, it's, it's bizarre. But when I heard it, I thought, what the church would do that? First of all, grow roots. <laughs> grow roots and let those roots join. I love the word planted out of, out of Psalm 1. We're planted by streams of water. I mean, our culture is so transient right now. People ask me how long I've been in my house and I say 27 years. I'm like, whoa, man, that's a long time to be in a house. It is. I wanted to move away several different times, but the house just keeps calling me back, you know. Been married 45 years. A lot of people can't understand it, man. I only made it eight years in my marriage. I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just know that it's really joyful to be planted somewhere. It's really joyful that you know you have a history, you have a present, and you have a future. And so the Lord calls us to be planted. That doesn't mean you can never move. I mean, you've heard of transplanted trees and stuff. It can happen. But you better make sure your roots are going deep. It says here, verse 19, this is the example, the outworking, the fruit of first fruits is verse 19. It says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. How fast? Swift to hear. Typically in America, we're swift to talk. Someone says something on social media, we're running there right away. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's the fruit of the first fruits. Verse 20. 
For the wrath of man does not produce, see there it is, produce, produce, not produce the righteousness of God. So the righteousness of God is actually a fruit of the spirit and it is produced over time. You are called righteous, you are declared righteous from the heavenlies, but you are allowing yourself to be trained in a life of righteousness. He says, so the righteousness of God, verse 21. Then he gets into the details and this is where people get comfortable, you might too. But it's like, let me tell you what the non-fruit is, the (laughs) anti-fruit, the thing that's going to limit you from achieving righteousness. Again, I say that with a caveat. I know we're all declared righteous through Jesus Christ, but there's an expectation that that declared righteousness in your spirit reaches your soul and eventually reaches your life. So the people look around and go, that man's righteous. He's a righteous man. She's a righteous man. It says this, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside. Okay, there's something you need to do. Okay, it's not just me kind of soaking in the presence of God and I'm gonna get all this fruit, get all this righteousness. There's something you need to do. And he gives you some indicators of what you need to do. He said, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So there's a competition going on in your soil, the soil of your soul. (laughs) There's a competition there between evil and righteousness. And you have control over it. You can actually lay these things aside. I was telling someone last week, this sounds so simplistic. I hate to bring it up, but I'll bring it up anyway. A lot of things that we experience in life just need a choice. A lot of things we experience in life just need for you to make a choice. Don't live in that in-between zone. I love what, you know, Bishop Garlington says, probably says it about every time he comes, I love it. He said, Lord calls us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. What's the other one? Strength to strength, that's right, thank you. From strength to strength. He says, but it's hell in the hallways. The connector points between the strength here, the strength over there, the faith here, the faith over there. It's, it's tough in the hallways there, you know. So that's where you are in the hallways. You're transitioning your soul to follow Christ. And your spirit born, spirit within you with the help of the Holy Spirit, which is your helper, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, is you're learning righteousness. It's like you're living up to fill the coat of righteousness that's been given to you. Why? It pleases God. It's what he's created you to do. It's part of the fruit. And what you do instead is you receive with meekness the implanted word. That's a a speaking of soil of your heart. The word of God comes in. It is seed that you continue to seed into your soil, which is also to, which is able to, do you see what that says in the word? Is everybody there? Get on your phone, look at it if you need to. Is able to save your souls. The implanted word of God will save your soul. Verse 22, but be doers of the word. Now, this is a big deal to Jesus. Anytime he talks about a parable that relates to this, and there's multiple parables that address hearing, that it's good to hear, but you can't just hear. You can't be hearers only. The hearing has to create understanding. Even in the sower of the seed, you know, you got that parable that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. They all heard, every one of them heard. 
It says, and they heard, but there was no understanding. They heard, and there was joy, but there was no root. So you can be excited. Woo, I raised my hand Sunday morning. I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, you start getting root really quick so that a bird can't come along and steal that from you. So you take root. How do you do that? Through the word of God, crying out to the Lord, spirit of God to move on you. And it says, uh, you'll be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Literally kind of living in the shallows or the shadows. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, okay, he's gonna explain it to us. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So there's this sense of worship, being in the presence of God. You look into this mirror, you see yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's like, woo, I'm righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You know, I'm an overcomer. I, I believe in the blood of Jesus. It's so easy. It's easier to do it on Sunday morning. But when you leave that mirror, you forget who you are. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. I love that he calls it a law. A law of liberty and continues in it. So it's not just receiving a law. If you are building a lifestyle of the word of God in your life, you continue in it. It is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Wow. That's what the blessing is. The blessing is in deep roots. Now, here's a few scriptures. You don't need to look them up. I'm going to read them to you, though. In Isaiah 37, it says this, and the remnant who have escaped the house of Judah, they shall take root downward and bear fruit upward. This is Old Testament, 2 Kings. And the remnant who have escaped the house of Judah, 2 Kings, different book, shall again take root downward. This phrase is used multiple times in the Old Testament. Take root downward, bear fruit upward. Take root downward should be a song. Bear fruit upward. Rootedness <laughs> brings fruitedness. You build roots, you're going to get fruit. If you start getting fruit without roots, you're going to fall over. Listen to this though in Ephesians chapter three. I love this one. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So this is, this is the direction. This is the intention of heaven. How well are we doing at becoming rooted? How well are we doing in becoming grounded, particularly in love? May be able, okay, so there's a, there's a benefit to this. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Your rootedness gives you supernatural perception and understanding. Revelation. You should be the wisest problem solver in a room. You can be. There's multiple people through history that use their Christianity and God prospered them. Think of Joseph, all the difficult situations he went in, in the Old Testament, but no matter, they threw him in prison uh, he rose to the, the top of the house. He was running the house. 
or they, they threw him in uh, uh, Potiphar's house. He came to the top. They threw him in prison. He's, he's helping run the prison over time. You cannot hold the guy down. It's the same thing with you. It's the same spirit that was in Joseph that is in you. That even though difficult things happen, you start to, I mean, you're, this is running to the fire. This is running to the motorcycle accident right now. Something happens in your life instead of running away and being distressed and crying in your, your beer or whatever it is, you know, you're, you come to a place where I'm gonna run into this because I believe God's got something better for me. Now that takes time. I'm not always there. I've been doing this my entire life. I still, have, when a gut punch comes, you know, you take a minute where you're like, ooh, you're catching your breath. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna be all right. I'm going, okay. All right, where do we need to go now? Boom, you're on it. That's the kind of believer in this age we live right now that as you're getting gut punches daily, daily over this past decade, you know, what? They're gonna do what? How's it gonna happen? What's this gonna do for America? Am I gonna be able to have my job? AI, what is that? What's, who knows what all that is? But I know one thing, that Christ will still be strong in the midst of it and you will be an overcomer. So what do you do? <laughs> you build roots. You build roots. You find a place, you plant yourself. This is a good spot. I planted myself here. You come here, you plant yourself. What does it look like? Well, in the natural, planting means you, you uh, build a community around you. You connect with other people. You get those downward roots that are pulling on someone else and say, you know, together, maybe a small group, a growth group that we have. You get in a little group of people. They may not all be like you, but it doesn't matter. You need people that are not like you. I do too. I have friends that are not like me because they bring a whole new perspective. So you grab onto those roots. You hold those roots. I met with a friend of mine this week. We joked about it. We've been together 46 years. He's a friend in the area. We, were, we, were, we didn't talk to each other for a decade. We had a big falling out. A decade. When I moved back here, a prophet told me that I was coming back here for restoration. Immediately, I thought of that guy. And sure enough, within two years after I came back, there was full and total and complete restoration. He's my golfing buddy. We've gone on vacations together. You'd have never guessed that 30 years ago. But we were roommates in college and we love each other dearly. We actually, we get together and we cry. It's really awesome. It's a very manly time together. But we can't, we can't help but get teared up because we share about the things of God and what he's doing and it just overwhelms us, you know. And we had such a great time this week meeting. But those roots, so that's strong. I mean, if something happens to me, I'm gonna feel the pull of my friends that are pulling with me and holding me in place so the wind is not gonna slap me down. Let's all stand together if we could. <clears throat> I used to joke in the natural and say, people go, what's your, you know, your thinking about life, your, your, your philosophy about life. I'm not really very deep. So I say things like, I want a house that's a home and a car that's an adventure. <laughs> and so I've been saying that for, I don't know, 20 years now. Paul Manwaring, who's part of the team out in, in, uh, in uh, Reading, has moved back home to Windsor, England, and... Uh, he texted me one day after he got settled back in. He got a new car over there because he had to leave his car here and he's in a new place. And he said, he said, I'm following your advice. I've got a house that's a home and I got a car that's an adventure. And I thought, well, that's a beginning. On the surface, on this side of heaven, I mean, 
seek out joy, seek out pleasure, I'm legal pleasure, seek out pleasure. Walk righteously, but love life. Why not? And when the storm comes, we'll get ready for the storm. When the war comes, we'll mount up in spiritual warfare. But right now, we're eating, we're moving around, we're first fruits from Jesus himself, and we are going to impact everywhere we go. Just bow your heads for a moment. We had a call earlier for the people to come to the Lord. So I'm not gonna do that right now, but if our ministry teams can come up here in the front. Any of you here who need any ministry whatsoever, first of all, let me just tell you, if you're here today and you're new, you're gonna love this place. You're gonna love the people. We've got old people here. We've got young people here. We've got married, single. We've got people of all backgrounds, colors. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's a taste of heaven, really, for me. We've got people who love the Lord God with all their heart and they worship radically. They'll pray for you. I love, we had a visitor here a few weeks ago and he was up front here. Uh, it was right at the end of service. He was a visitor. By the time he got out in the lobby, he turned to me. I'd met him earlier and he said, wow. He said, I got three prophetic words from the altar to here. I said, yeah, that's a good church. That's a good church. They're looking for people that they can touch, minister to and encourage. And that's who we are. But anyone who has any problems with physical problems, financial problems, whatever's going on, you're not flourishing. To use our word, you're not flourishing. I wanna tell you something. I wanna read this final verse here out of Job of all places. You might cringe here a minute, think, oh, Job, I don't wanna hear from Job right now. It's probably not good news. No, it's good news. Oh, yeah. Jude, Jude has very difficult words there, but, but Job... Oh my, where did I put Job? Here we go, yes. Job 14 says this. For there's hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground and the stump dies in the dry soil. So it's like a stagnant place. At the scent of water, it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. Some of you are in that place. I'm telling you, the Lord wants you to flourish. He's awakening you right now. Just kind of close your eyes for a minute. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm praying for a seed to be planted in your heart from this message, from the worship time, from, from the connection with friends here. A seed to be planted in your heart right now to awaken you, awaken you in Christ. I love what it says in Ephesians. Awake you sleeper, rise up from the grave, rise up. We just awaken right now in the name of Jesus. Those who, are, who, who don't know what to do, they, they feel like things are dying or they're dead inside. Lord, awaken right now. I pray at the scent of water, bring life right now in people's hearts. Lord, let it just spread across this room the strength and life of Jesus Christ. And Bethel Cleveland, I bless you and you're rising up, you're lying down, you're coming in, you're going forward. May the favor, grace, and mercy of God richly rest upon you all this week in everyone you encounter, in every place that you go, every person that you see, every challenge that you face. May the grace and mercy and favor of God be richly upon you. I bless you, bless you with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We dismiss you. Anyone who needs ministry, feel free to come up front. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. It's Clarification Sunday. You don't want to miss it.
Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.